Tonight, by God's grace, we'll be looking at the topic dealing with sin consciousness and remission of sin. How many of us gave our lives to Christ more than once? You went, you went for altar call more than once. Who told you you were not very born again? I, I asked that because... Um, the issue of assurance of salvation is very important. And it happened to, I mean, it happened to me too. You, you just feel that you are not sure the one you did before you sinned and probably, you know, and you have to come and give your life to Christ again. And you did it over and over until you felt, okay, maybe we are getting something now. Praise God. Um, so the, the issue of sin consciousness is, is a very is very common and even among people who have now fully given their lives to Christ. Right? How many of you feel that when you sin or when you make a mistake, God is angry with you? You still feel like that, right? Um, how many of us Try as much as possible to behave well to, so that we can make God happy. You are doing your best. You are putting in the effort. You are doing everything possible. You are behaving well to make God like you, to make God happy with you. You know. Okay, let's just um, look at God's word together. Let's see Hebrews chapter 10. For the law having a shadow of, of the good things to come and not the very image of the things can Please note, note certain things. Can never, with the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. The law, with those sacrifices, can never or could never make those people perfect. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? So if those sacrifices made them perfect, then they should have stopped. For the worshippers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sin. For the worshippers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sin. But that wasn't the case. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Verse 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. I'm sure we know the background too. To what the writer of Hebrew was speaking to, which was um, the practice in the Old Testament, the children of Israel, the ordinances of um, sacrifices, the ordinances um, that God instituted for them as a way of being able to relate with them at the time. We remember how sin came into the world um, in the garden. The first man sinned. And God had to intervene. Scripture records that they clothed themselves with, with fig leaves. And that was them trying to 
That was them trying to make amend or trying to salvage the situation. But the issue of sin is not what man could deal with by himself. The, the issue of sin, like we have said several times, um, it was a legal thing. It was an issue, issue of justice because a law had been broken and there had to be consequences. The realm of the spirit is, is a realm with law and order. There are actions and reactions. When you do this, this happens. So man sinned, man died. For man to live again, there had to be a sacrifice. But the man was trying to you know, um, salvage the situation, trying to make himself good. He was trying to cover his nakedness. And when God appeared on the scene, the guy ran away because he could no longer face God. Then, of course, God knew what had happened. Scripture because that he killed an animal shedding blood because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. We saw that would we would have seen that in Hebrews chapter 9. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Then he used the skin of the animal as a cover for them, which was a temporary arrangement to just stop or to not to stop, to slow down the reign of sin and death. Praise God. However, by the time, you know, they got to Exodus, Leviticus, um, sin had grown. Of course, we saw in Genesis chapter 3 how Cain killed his brother. The sin kept multiplying. And of course, it is, we are where we are today. Praise God. Um, in the wilderness, so God instituted these ordinances of when you sin, you bring an animal to the high priest, to the priest, the Levites, you know, ministering in the temple. They will kill the animal. Um, the animal was to serve as a form of atonement. So you shed blood, they sprinkle. So when you come with your animal and they kill the animal, they sprinkle the blood of the animal on you and all of that. Just as a way to, to negotiate some form of forgiveness so that God would still be able to relate with that generation. God will still be able to bless that generation. God will still be able to ask some form of operation, you know, among them. That was very necessary. And apart from the daily sacrifices for sin and the other offerings that they gave, there was a national day of atonement, which was a major feast. That day, the high priest will now go to the holiest of all with blood bearing the sins of the whole nation and that was to seek God's forgiveness and of course intervention and mercy for another one year so God instituted that ordinance that issue of atonement but it was a covering for sin like this place we read it said for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goat could take away sin. So sin was not taken away. Sin was covered. So that, because scripture says God is too holy for him to behold iniquity. So that it would not behold iniquity in Israel, he made an arrangement for the covering 
of their sins. So when the sins are covered by the blood of bulls and goats, the provision that he made, then he could relate with them without destroying them. Why? Because the consequences, the wages of sin has always been death and it is still death. Praise God. So it is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away. It could cover temporarily, but it could not take away. And every year, year upon year, layers and layer of sin being covered, being covered, being covered until Christ came. Let's continue verse 5. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. So God never liked it. He gave it to them. But he never liked it. He never wanted it. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. We're going to read previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them. So God gave them something that he did not like, just for him to be able to manage to relate with that generation. It was not his will as it were. But he gave them something. At least let's, let's just manage the relationship. Let's manage the situation. He, but he never liked it. It's like um, Jesus telling those guys who came to him and, was, and were asking him about divorce. And said, see, Moses gave you that law, that, that permission to do that. You know, if of on, on, on the ground of sexual immorality that you could give a notice of divorce. He said he gave you that because of the hardness of your heart, but it was not so from the beginning. So the intention of God from the beginning was not booze, it was not blood of booze and goats. Praise God. Let's go back to verse 8. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which I offered according to the law. Nine. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. It takes away the first, that he may establish the second. So he took away that whole um, ordinance. He established a new covenant. Verse 10. By that, we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, how many times? Once for all. Okay. And every priest stands ministering daily. Okay. Every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices. Why? Because they were committing the same sins over and over. So they were offering the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. So this was an issue of taking God's issue was taking away sin. Not just covering sin. Taking away sin. Okay? But this man, that Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, In the past, they offered daily sacrifices, which brought about remembrance of sin, which 
which was brought about the consciousness of sin because you are conscious of it that ah, I've done this one. I have to go and each time you offered the sacrifice, it was a remembrance of sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin, forever sat down. The previous verse said the priest stood daily ministering. But this man, when he did his own sacrifice, he went to sit. No, this thing is done forever. Hallelujah. And till now, he's sitting at the right hand. He went to sit at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies have made his footstool. So, he initiated something by the sacrifice of himself through his blood forever. And since that time, he's just waiting. Because that process is set in motion. That thing he initiated that day has kept the end of that thing. The, the ultimate expression of that thing is the fact that his enemies will be made his footstool. So he's in a position of victory and waiting for the manifestation of victory through you and me. Scripture says the last enemy to be defeated is death. Sin and death has been taken care of. It's just, it's just waiting for them to expire. And that's left to us. Hallelujah. Verse 14. For by one offering, he has done what? Perfected forever those who have been sanctified. You have been perfected forever. You know, the, I think the first two verses said, the blood of bulls and goats could not make those who did it, he could not make them perfect, right? Now he says, by one offering, he has perfected you forever. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after I had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their law, lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Please pay attention to that. I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of this, your sins and lawless deeds, there is no longer offering for sin. Remission is the taking away. Remission is the, uh, the, the total lack of remembrance of sin. They've been totally taken out. God has no record. Praise God. God has no record of your sin. Why? Because it's been blotted out. Taken away completely. This thing is sounding sweet. But it's also sounding like, is this really true? Hallelujah. Now, where there is remission of sin, sins and iniquity in verse 17, now where there is remission of this, there is no longer an offering. Why? Because there has been only one offering made once and forever. Verse 19. Therefore, brethren, now when you understand the issue of remission, when you understand the fact that sins or the issue of sin has been dealt with, 
when you understand that you have been perfected forever, when you understand that your sins and iniquities, he remembers them no longer. He said, therefore, brethren, having boldness, it is this understanding that gives you boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. The same holiest that the high priest of Israel could only enter once in a year. Now, even that once would have been, he had to go in with the blood after making sacrifices for his own sins first and the sin of the people, then he would go in with the blood once in a year. Now scripture is saying that you have boldness to enter into the holiest by what? By the by own blood, by the blood of Jesus. Verse 20. By a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is is flesh. Praise the Lord. Um, it, it was very important for us to read to read that scripture because I wanted us to see those things so that by the time I start talking, we'll probably just make references to to the things um, we have read. So, when we have this understanding, for me, this totally turns around our relationship with God. This totally takes care of issues of sin consciousness. So, when we are talking of sin, con the sin consciousness, what are we talking about? I think sin consciousness proceeds from a heart that is unsure of the love of God. From a heart that is unconscious of the love of God. From a heart that is unconscious of the sacrifice of Jesus. From a heart that is ignorant of the things that Jesus accomplished. You know, it's possible that you have been forgiven, and yes, you have been forgiven, but you did not forgive yourself, or you are not walking in, in the understanding of the fact that you have been forgiven, and that limits your access. If, if the understanding, if the light of forgiveness and all of these things we have discussed or we have read, if that light is not shining in our heart, we would not be able to come boldly. We would not be able to enter boldly. Why? Because sin consciousness creates doubt. It creates fear. It makes you feel less than God has made you. You want to lift up holy hands and you are thinking, uh, ah, have I done anything today? Okay. You want to, you want to pray. And you're, ah, okay, whether I've done something or I've not done something, let me just confess my sins. Hello? You know, someone once asked me, but why is it that when we come to pray in church, we, we don't ask for forgiveness of sin here in the governing church? I never answered that question. Maybe I'll just provide one small answer. So, number one is the fact that we are not conscious of sin. 
Why? Because sin has been dealt with. Now, if I say we are not conscious of I'm not saying that if you make a mistake, that you should not ask for forgiveness. In fact, the reason you are asking for forgiveness is because forgiveness has been provided. Forgiveness is available. That's the reason why you can ask. It is because that sin has been forgiven. Jesus already made provision. So, I don't expect that you're coming to church on a Sunday morning and it is now in church. Hey God, my sins for the week. No, 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 no. Because if you are coming to church on Sunday to confess your sins for the week, it means that you've been out of fellowship for a long, at least maybe for like five, four, three, two days. You've been disconnected, kind of. Life has not been flowing. See, there is provision. Christ made the provision through his blood. He gave, he made one offering once, forever, and perfected you forever. If you have made a mistake, own up. Um, if you say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, it's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right? So, repentance, confession of sin to God is valid. But the reason why it is valid is the price has been paid. Many of us, what we do so you, you, you overestimate yourself and you think, you think too much of yourself. You, you have put yourself on a pedestal where, man, ah, guy, I should be more than this. How can I be? Okay, so I, I made this mistake again. Then you now stay there. You have... In your mind, you are telling yourself that, ah, God, I'm sure God must, God must even be tired of hearing me talk about this, asking for forgiveness for this same thing. Uh-uh. Over and over and over and over and over, this same issue. God is not man. Praise God. What did I say? God is not man. He has no record. What did I say? No record. Oh, so you made the mistake yesterday. You asked for mercy. That instant blotted. You made the mistake today. You are not saying, ah, I did it yesterday. Hey. By the time you are coming to, no record. Why? He does not keep record of wrongs. Stop coming by yourself. Scripture records in, in, in Psalm 103, verses 11 to 12. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy. So great is his mercy. An endless ocean of mercy. Unquantifiable, bottomless ocean of mercy. So great is his mercy. Towards those who fear him. Verse 12. 
as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our sins from us. Total separation. As far as the east is from, the two cannot jam. Opposite direction. So great is his mercy. The mercy of God far outweighs, and when I'm saying far, it is because I don't have a better word. The mercy of God far, far, far times a million, billion, hundred times outweigh whatever error you can make. The mercy of God outweighs it. In Romans chapter 2, scripture records, it says, it says, therefore, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Grace is more abundant. The grace of God abounding towards you every day, every moment, it is much more than, than whatever issue of sin you can think of. Stop focusing on sin. Focus on the grace of God. Focus on the mercy of God. You see, the implication of this is when, when, we, when we come to this light, we'll be drowned in God's love. We'll be amazed by God's love. And people think when you say these things that you're giving allowance for sin. No. You're giving allowance for grace. Why? Because the focus is on grace, not on sin. And as grace is abounding to you, you find out that the issue of sin will be dealt with. Why? Titus chapter 2 told us, he said, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. It is grace that empowers us to live the God life. It is grace that empowers us to have dominion over sin. The more you focus on the mercy of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness that is available to you, the, the finished work of Christ on the cross, the more you walk away from sin. You just find yourself migrating from it. it. It will happen. The more you focus on sin, the more you are caught in the trap of sin. Why? Because your heart is set upon it. Praise the Lord. Praise the living Jesus. I said, sin consciousness robs us of confidence with God. Like I said earlier, we cannot come boldly. It robs you of your righteousness. Scripture says we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When your heart is focused on sin, the ones you the sin of commission, the sin of omission, the sin of your grandparents, and the one that you would sin in the future, and all of you cannot see the righteousness of God. You cannot see it. You are blinded. You are blinded. Hallelujah. God did not call you a sinner. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. If any man be in Christ is what? A new creation. All things are 
passed away. Behold, all things are new. There is no account of scripture where scripture records or refers to someone who is born again as a sinner. Not a single account. In fact, he called them saints. Because that is what you are. So, you see, so don't let, don't let religion or don't let the world define you as what you are not. Because they will tell you, nobody only pass. Are you a saint? Everybody is a saint. In fact, we are all sinners. Saved by grace. I'm not a sinner. Yes. I am who God says I am. God says I am not a sinner. I am not a sinner. Why? Because righteousness is a nature. Sin is a nature. I am the nature of God. Hallelujah. And that's what I will focus on and build upon and develop it and grow towards. I won't let the world call me what God has not called me. Praise God. So God has forgiven you. You need to forgive yourself. Because if you don't forgive yourself, you are shortchanging yourself. You are limiting your access. You are limiting the reach of the grace of God. And it is pride. Why? Because it is unspoken. But what you are saying is the sacrifice of Jesus is not enough. Praise God. What you're saying is the sacrifice of Jesus is not enough. It's not sufficient. So you need to do something more. You need to probably suffer yourself a little bit more. You need to make God really, really, really see that you are sober and, you know, um, and, and so unhappy. So you just stay in that position of guilt and self-pity and you are wallowing in it for one or two days, and works, dead works. What did I say? Dead works. You are saved by grace, not by works. So, you see, your good behavior, or your bad behavior, you see all of those things, actually, in the true sense of it, they don't matter. And I will explain. And that was why I asked earlier that how many of us are trying to, you know, you want. Do you know that you became a sinner before you gave your life to Christ? You became a sinner not by anything you did. Right? It was not what you did that made you a sinner. It was what Adam did. You inherited sin. Hallelujah. Are we together? Romans chapter 5. Let's see Romans chapter 5, 12 to 15. If you became a sinner, not by your own works, how do you think you can hand the righteousness of God by your own works? Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, thus death spread to all men, because what? Because Adam sinned. Who sinned? All. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Verse 14. 
Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. So death reigned from Adam to Moses, even those who did not sin according to the specific transgression of Adam, but death reigned. We partook of that, of that sin. Verse 15. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man Jesus abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came to the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from what? Many offenses resulted in justification. Do we understand that? So, Adam did something that passed to you. So, you became a sinner not by your own works, by what someone else did. You earned the righteousness of God, not by your own works also, but by what Jesus did. Scripture says in Romans chapter 5 verse 1, it said, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace. The only way we are justified is if we are standing in faith. That's the only way we have justification. If you want to stand on works, if you want to stand on good behavior, you want to stand on how best you can be, you will fall short. We are going to fall short. Because our best works, best works, outside of faith, called it dead works. That's the best we can offer. No matter how good the intention is, no matter how good the action is, no matter how nice and how kind, if it is not by faith, it is dead works. In fact, he said, Anything done outside of faith is sin. So the only way you have justification and the only way you stand in Christ is by faith. Faith in what? In the finished works. Not in your good works. Even after you have given your life to Christ, the only way you are standing is not by your good behavior. It is by faith. So the righteousness of God that you have would mean that you begin to do good works. Why? Because whereas workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, good works will come out of your encounter with him. It will come out of the fact that you have been born again and you are now a changed man, right? But your confidence is still not in the good works that you are producing. You are standing by faith. Praise God. He said, it is by faith you have been saved by grace. Titus chapter 3 verse 5. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You have nothing to be boastful about. Nothing. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Not by your works of righteousness. Either before or after. When I say before or after, I mean before or after being born again. Not by your works of righteousness. 
but according to his mercy. It was Romans chapter 10. Let's, let's see Romans chapter 10. 10, 1 to 3. He said, brethren, my heart desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear witness that they have a zeal for God like many of us, but not according to knowledge. And that's the problem. The knowledge of God is lacking. The knowledge of what God has established and perfected concerning us is lacking. The knowledge and understanding of the things that Jesus accomplished for us is lacking. For they, being ignorant of the righteousness of God, they seek to establish their own righteousness and they have not submitted to the righteousness of God. That is what sin consciousness does to us. Sin consciousness means that you, oh, you, you feel so bad because ah, you look at yourself and you, are, you just miss the mark and you know, it, it's all about you. You shouldn't have. How, how, how could I have done this? And, you know, and all of that and all of that. You are looking at your own righteousness. You are seeking to establish your own righteousness. Ignoring the righteousness of God. And you are not submitting. So it's, it's an issue of faith against works. You are either running. You are either trying to run on your own righteousness or you are accepting the righteousness of Christ. You are either trying to get acceptance by your works. Or you are resting in the finished works of Christ. The two, you can't do the two at the same time. You have to choose one. Praise God. You have to choose one. So it is, it is an issue of self-righteousness versus the righteousness of Christ. It is an issue of works against faith. Can you make it happen in, in your own strength in, by being so good, by being um, so, so dutiful? Or can you rest in the grace of God? Can you trust the finished work? Is the finished work enough? Is it sufficient? Do you, do you count it sufficient? Hallelujah. We have been justified by faith. Woman said, says, who is he that condemns? He said, not he who died. It is God that justifies. God is not condemning you. God is not hungry with you. You have been forgiven. So forgive yourself and move on. Oh, some of us, what's holding us back? The, the, the consciousness we carry, we still carry the consciousness of the things we did three, five years ago before we gave our lives to Christ. And before, if you go through a tough time, oh, you think God is punishing you for the thing you, new creation, no? New creation. That the old passed away. You think God is punishing you for what you did when you did not know God five, ten years ago. You think, ah, it's, uh -huh. the consequences have, they have caught up. God is not man. Praise God. God is not man. God is not hungry with you. God is not punishing you. Jesus bore all the punishment. The chastisement of our peace 
was upon him. The punishment that brought, that breached the gap between man and God was upon him. It was the bridge. You couldn't have paid the, you, you hold a debt you couldn't pay. So stop trying to, stop trying to, you know, run things in your effort. By strength shall no man prevail. I'm, I'm asking us tonight to lean on the grace of God. To lean on the finished works of Christ. Why? Because sin has been taken care of. So what do we need to do? Focus on Jesus. Focus on the cross. Focus on the finished works. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus the author. In verse 1, it says, Wherefore, sin we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us what? Lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us. How? Looking unto Jesus. That's how you lay aside. In Colossians, it said, um, We should put off the old man, then we put on the new man. That's how you do it. You just keep cultivating your new nature. Live your nature. Praise God. Live your new nature. The more you focus on that, the more you cultivate the realities of your new life, the more you walk away from the shackles of sin and dead works. The more you cultivate life in Christ. That's, that's, how to, that's how to overcome. That's how to please God. Without faith, it is imp impossible. Impossicant. There is, no other, there is no other way you are going to please him. Because your works won't please him. You can't do enough works. To, you can't put on enough good behavior to please him. It won't count. It has to be by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There is, there is nothing you want to add in your works to the finished works. The only thing you need is your faith. Trust in the finished works. Sin is dealt with. Totally, completely blotted out. Blotted out. Colossians 3 says, He blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. He nailed it to the cross. He nailed it to the cross. It's been blotted. There is no record. The blood washed it away. And the blood continues to sanctify you. He said he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. You are being sanctified. The same way that um, when those guys come to the temple to offer their gifts and sacrifices and they sprinkle upon them, the same way when Jesus shed his blood, he sprinkled on you, cleared your conscience from dead works. Now it comes to us often day by day washing by the washing of water by the word. 
the washing of water by the word. Purifying, cleansing, making us better. Is the one doing the work. Let him do it. Hallelujah. So you, you would understand. You see the reason why you would pray. Because cleansing is taking place. Purification is taking place. It is in the place of fellowship. Praise God. It's in the place of fellowship that cleansing, cleansing is taking place as we are speaking now. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness and walk in sin and walk in unbelief and bogged down by sin consciousness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light, if we cultivate life in the spirit, if we cultivate our new nature, if we give attention to the finished works of Christ and we live according to what God Christ has done for us, we have what? Fellowship. One with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It is as we have fellowship that the blood is activated for cleansing. As we fellowship with the Lord, as we cultivate our new life, we are activating the blood for cleansing, for cleansing, for purification. That's what we need to do. And that's why, you see, the, the trust of this church has always been devotion, fellowship, prayer, the word, discipline of the spirit. Because that is how we get better. That is how we make progress. That is how we advance. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Saints, like Jesus said, it is finished. <laughs> Let's not start it again. He finished it. He finished it. All we require is faith. We have been justified by faith. Your justification, the basis of your justification will remain faith. Why? Because the just shall live. That's the only way you live. There is no other way. There is no, there is no other way you are going to live in the spirit. There is no other way you are going to live the God life. There is no other way you are going to advance and progress. The just shall live by faith. Outside of faith, you die. Outside of faith. The just shall live by faith. Faith in God. You live daily trusting God. You know, appropriating the work of the cross all over again. You know that that's the foundation, that's the that's, that's solid rock on which you are standing. You are not standing on anything else. You are not standing on works. You are not standing on whatever it is. Paul said, he said, the things that were gained to me, I counted them as loss. He said, what, this one thing I do, I forget the things that are behind. I forget the past. 
both my victories and my defeat and my accomplishment, I reach only to wanting that which is before me, that I may apprehend Christ and, and apprehend him for the reason for which I am apprehended. That's the only thing that matters. Faith in the finished works. Hallelujah. It's my prayer tonight that God will give us understanding. Can we just thank God tonight and, and, and give him praise? Can we thank God for the cross? Can we thank God for the cross? Can we thank God for, for redemption, for this old program? Can we thank God for the hope that is ahead of us?